You know, it's funny. In some ways, the final score in Pullman last weekend doesn't quite tell the story of what happened between Stanford and Washington State. But in a lot of other ways, it perfectly sums everything up. It's an accurate representation of how things went. A 49-22 final in favor of the Washington State Cougars. And we're going to spend the bulk of this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Breaking it down and looking ahead a little bit to big game. Oh yes, that is this week, but it is Wednesday, November 20th, 2019. Thanks for joining us on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Hey, that's me, Troy Clarity. Hey, how you doing? Glad you're with us here. Breaking down another loss for Stanford football as they fall to 4-6 and six on the season. They need to win their final two games against Cal this week and against Notre Dame next week to be eligible for their 11th consecutive bowl. We'll talk much more about that. Uh, in our Friday edition of the TreeCast coming up later on this week. But but we're going to spend the bulk of today's episode looking back at Pullman, which was entertaining on a lot of different levels. You're going to hear plenty of thoughts from, from Stanford head coach David Shaw from his weekly uh, media luncheon, which was held on Tuesday late morning at the Arriaga Family Sports Center on the Stanford campus. So we'll spend a lot of time breaking that down here on the show. A couple quick reminders. You can follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. Thanks to those of you. Uh, my follower account has, has gotten a nice little bump this fall. I appreciate that. Be one of them. I won't clog up your timeline with a whole bunch of stuff that you're not really interested in. Uh, but at Troy Clarity, at Troy Clarity. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review the show on Google Play and Apple Podcasts. If you have not done so already, 49-22 has mentioned the final score. Washington State beat Stanford for the fourth consecutive time. And I thought on Tuesday, David Shaw did a terrific job of, of really summing it all up. In the span of about four minutes of game time, we went from being really, really close to being back behind by two scores again. And it wasn't one phase. It was all three phases. Uh, special teams. Um, did make a play, they did, and then um, uh, defensively we couldn't stop them, and offensively we had a chance to get back. We missed two chances that were there uh, to keep the game closer. Yeah, you know, failures by all three phases of the game when it mattered most. Stanford got it to 25-22 after being down 19 nothing, and a bunch of my friends texting me and starting to figure out other ways to spend the rest of their Saturday afternoon. But, but Stanford closed it to 25-22 in the third quarter. Then the 83-yard kickoff return for Washington State. Cougs later turned that into a touchdown a couple plays later. That changed everything. That changed everything. Stanford had chances to stay in the game, but two killer interceptions by Davis Mills. The defense offered little resistance early and absolutely none late. And that's a pretty consistent recipe for a tough loss. That'll get you beat every single time. More on that as we go, but let's begin as we normally do by getting you the three things you need to know about Stanford football right now. Let's begin with number one. With seven minutes left in the game, Davis Mills completed a 27-yard pass to Connor Weddington. That gave Davis Mills 454 yards on the day. And also, by the way, happened to be a new Stanford single-game passing yardage record. 
set by Todd Huzak against Oregon State back in 1998. Of course, Todd Huzak watched the game unfold from the Stanford uh, uh, the Stanford radio booth above uh, Martin Stadium in Pullman last weekend. Mills finishing with 504 passing yards, becoming the first Stanford quarterback ever. And there have been some good ones coming through the farm over the years and decades. But Davis Mills, the first Stanford football quarterback in program history to throw for more than 500 yards. Davis on his day and the record. I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's definitely hopefully a record that'll stay for a little while. Uh, I know there was a tweet afterwards that uh, Mr. Husak uh, said something because I worked for him this summer as an intern. But it, I mean, it's cool to go down in the record books, but ultimately it would have been nice to get a win on Saturday. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I had to chuckle when he called him Mr. Husak. And then all of a sudden I got kind of depressed because Mr. Huzak is a couple years younger than I am. So if he's getting called Mr. Huzak, that must make me pretty old. We'll move on. Uh, there were two interceptions I'm sure Davis Mills would love to have back, and those were real daggers for the game, both coming in the fourth quarter. But Davis will get a chance to potentially make more passing history this week because... KJ Costello is back on the injury roundup for this week against the California Golden Bears. David Shaw with the list of injuries and folks that you probably won't see this week. KJ Costello, Paulson Adebo, Malik Antoine, Tucker Fisk will be out uh, again this week. All those guys. Um, Kobe Ebo uh, was injured during the game and Trey John Butler uh, was banged up as well. Uh, those guys will be questionable this week. Hopefully they can uh, they can make it back. Zarin Manley went in and, and kind of finished the game in there for us at corner. Uh, so we'll see who's healthy to go back out there this week. Uh, Ryan Sanborn uh, is improving. We'll see where he is late in the week. Uh, was able to do kickoffs and the field goals this past weekend. Alex Gracie took care of the punts, did a great job. But we'll see late in the week uh, who's ready to do those. So Davis Mills will get the start once again this week against the California Golden Bears. Uh, K.J. Costello, Paulson Adebo, Malik Antoine, and Tucker Fisk are maybes at this point for Notre Dame. They're going to see how things look uh, and see if they might be in position to uh, start things off early next week. But you won't see any of those young men this upcoming week against the California Golden Bears. Adebo and Antoine nicked up before, did not play against the Cougars. You heard two more defensive backs make the injury list uh, for this week against the Bears. And that brings us to number three. Adebo, Antoine, Trajan Butler, and Obi Ebo. Those four guys, two of them will not play. Two of them, the other two, might not play in big game this week. Which puts David Shaw in an interesting situation with his defensive backs. Yeah, depending on where OB and Trey John are, I mean, Zara Manley may, may start this week, um, which would be exciting. You know, starting two freshman corners and a, and a freshman nickel uh, in the big game. So uh, it's it's all hands on deck, <clears throat> excuse me, on the defensive backfield. Pretty much, well, potentially, anybody who's healthy is probably going to play in this game. So Zara Manley might get the start alongside Caillou Blue Kelly and uh, Jonathan McGill, the nickelback. So those three guys are all true freshmen for Stanford, and they could all possibly start uh, against Cal 
uh, this weekend. Coyote Blue Kelly will certainly get the start, uh, but just a, just a matter of how uh, the Bears line up and how the Stanford uh, defense responds personnel-wise. If they start off in nickel, then there's a pretty good chance that you might see three true freshmen at corner for Stanford against Cal. Interesting times, man. Interesting times. Those are three things. Yeah, and the lack of defensive backs, we talked about this as we previewed the Washington State matchup last week. I didn't like the matchup before. I didn't like the matchup knowing that Stanford was going to be going up to Pullman without their best cornerback and without their most experienced safety. And unfortunately, those results held true to form. The defense got torched. The Stanford defense got torched. There's no other way to spin it. I can't remember the last time I saw a team drive 96 yards for one touchdown and then 97 yards for another touchdown on their very next drive. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Two drives of 96 yards or longer from the same team. By the way, that same team also later gave up a 99-yard touchdown drive. That's how wacky this game was, uh, especially in the second and the third quarters. Now, a, a lot of complaints about the pressure that was or was not put on Anthony Gordon, the Washington State quarterback, throughout the entirety of that game. But in the first half, the Stanford defense, that front seven got home on several occasions. They got there. There was good coverage on a couple of plays that forced Gordon to hold the ball a bit more. And look, I, I kind of think that, that that coverage is a little more important than pressure. Pressure helps when you're facing the air raid defense, but or air raid offense rather, but but coverage helps lead to pressure. If you can get your guys to cover on the back end and force your force your quarterback, force the quarterback to to go through his progressions and hold the ball onto it much longer than he wants to. Then the pressure comes. So I think coverage is a bit more important. And we saw that on maybe like three or four plays, unfortunately, only in the first half. But that allowed the front seven to get home on several occasions. But they couldn't wrap up Gordon. Thunder Keck in particular had, had one sack that should have been made, but, but Gordon somehow slithered out of there and was able to make a big throw downfield for a completion. They couldn't get Gordon down. Washington State, 9 of 13 on third down. 9 of 13. Seven of their first eight third down conversions were made. Rough day. And, and, and by the way, Max Borgie uh, piled up over 100 yards uh, on the ground as well. Knew this was a bad matchup coming in. Knew that the Stanford defense was going to have its struggles, especially considering how, A, shorthanded it was, and, B, how it, per, how it performed earlier this season against similar schemes. I mean, obviously, USC's air raid is, is quite different from, from Washington State's, but, but they Stanford defensively made Keaton Slovis look like a star back in September. Had the students chanting his name by the end of it all at, at the L.A. Coliseum. Knew this was a bad matchup for Stanford coming in, but, man, that was still jarring to watch. That was still tough to watch. Now, you heard the injury roundup from David Shaw earlier. And of all the injuries that affected Stanford heading into the game last week was one that I wasn't aware of, one that, that I wasn't made aware of until actually during the game itself. 
And I don't think this injury is being talked about enough. Ryan Sanborn, not 100%, somehow banged up during the week. Still trying to figure out how, how, how that might have possibly happened. But Sanborn was not 100%. And given that, I asked David Shaw what the effect of Sanborn's injury had on the game and what other variables that kind of that kind of got thrown into the mix from his standpoint without his kicker at 100%. Big time kickoff return. That's the, that was that's the difference. Um, I think he's had just about every single kick up until this week has been a touchback. Um, and when you've got a dangerous kickoff returner and you don't get a touchback, you better get a lot of height on the kick, which still is a decent, decent hang time. Um, but you have one, one small gap in coverage, and a guy like that takes advantage of you. So in a game where, once again, we had all the momentum on our side, got it back to a three-point game, we get a, you know, we've gotten a stop to, we've gotten an interception, um, we get a stop there. Um, uh, after a after a touchback, and then get the ball back, say our 35-yard line, and go down and score again and take the lead or tie it. Um, now it's a completely different game, but you know the momentum swing was so quick. You know, touchdown, feel good about it. I think it's where a two-point conversion, um, fired up, ready to go, and the next thing you know, the ball's back in our own red zone and they're scoring a touchdown. Um, that's that's the difference between having a healthy kickoff guy and not having a healthy kickoff guy. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. There is that. And, and look, that 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 kickoff return, as we mentioned, changed the whole entire game. Changed the whole thing. But it also affected the place-kicking game. Sanborn did miss a 39-yarder. But it certainly affected the place-kicking game, which leads me to a sequence that a lot of Stanford fans were not happy about. I wish that this had gone a little bit better, too. But that sequence at the end of the first half, when Stanford had the ball, just a few seconds left on the clock after Washington State had kicked a field goal, Stanford got the ball with 25 seconds left, first and 10, their own 25-yard line. They had two timeouts in their pocket. First pass a completion from Davis Mills to Kobe Parkinson for 21 yards, up to the 46-yard line for Stanford. Cardinal didn't call timeout. You know, they stopped the clock, obviously, on first downs to, to, to move the chain. So, so that, that clock stoppage, you know, helped out a little bit. But, but Stanford did not call timeout in that sequence. And by the time they snapped the ball again, 10 seconds had run off the clock. 10 seconds. And that was as far as, as Stanford got. They left those two timeouts on the board and let 10 critical seconds Go off, uh, let 10 critical seconds get run off the clock. And look, there have been other instances throughout the year and over the years where, where Stanford in two-minute situations hasn't quite performed up to snuff. But as the game went along, and I, I didn't think this in the moment, but as the game went along, I started to think a little bit. And I, got, I got a bit of a theory. It's probably a silly one. But maybe Stanford didn't approach that final drive of the first half with as much urgency, knowing that they might not be able to get a reliable kick from Ryan Sanborn. 
Maybe that's how they approached it. I don't know. Now, David Shaw was asked at Tuesday's presser what he was thinking going into that, that final drive of the first half. I don't think he liked how that question was phrased. Uh, basically said, you know, we, we, we look to score no matter what. And that was the end of that. But something this I could be completely wrong here. Completely wrong. And it's not how I would have necessarily handled it, especially after you get that 21-yard completion and pretty much are, are at mid midfield with some time to maybe do something. Not necessarily how I would have handled it, but it's a theory. Maybe. Maybe knowing that they probably could not necessarily get down into field goal range and get three guaranteed points from an injured Ryan Sanborn, maybe Stanford kind of pulled off the reins a little bit. I, I don't know. That's just, it's probably a silly theory. You can tell me all about it on Twitter. I'm sure, I'm sure some of you will. But maybe that's a, another effect of the injury that Ryan Sanborn was dealing with. And certainly the kickoff, the key play of the game. But but I, I also thought that maybe after I thought after I thought about it a little bit, maybe that's what we were seeing on that final drive in, in which Stanford left two timeouts in its pocket and Washington State ended up uh, going into the half with a 22-14 lead. Again, I could be wrong. Won't be the first time. Doesn't happen often, but it, it, it does happen from time to time. But of course, the big story from Stanford's perspective, the big positive anyway, was the passing game for the Cardinal. I mean, it's it's had its moments at points throughout the year. Uh, you know, impressive all the way around against Arizona. K.J. Costello looking terrific in his return. Uh, Semi Fajoko's big, big play at Colorado, that was pretty cool. All-around effective passing day from from Davis Mills at Oregon State. So the passing game is, has, had some, has had some moments throughout the course of the year. But this, this, man, this was explosive. Look, I covered arena football for 14 years, all right? This was kind of like that, and it was fun to watch. It was like, it was like watching the, the 1999 St. Louis Rams with Kurt Warner just throwing it downfield. And his receivers, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Azahir Akeem, those dudes making big plays. You know, nice, nice, nice gains on screen passes as well. That, that's what this looked like. Truly explosive. Stanford down 19 to nothing. They had to abandon the running game. More on that in a second. And they needed to get points. They needed to get points right away. And it worked. It worked. David Shaw overall pleased with with how things went with the Stanford passing game against the Cougs. Davis was exceptional. And um, a lot of credit to the young offensive line that gave him, gave him time uh, back there. And I mean, we saw guys making unbelievable plays. You know, Connor Weddington making a one-handed catch. Michael Wilson jumping up and making a catch in the end zone. Actually, two really tough catches with guys on their bodies. Simi Fajoko continues to show you that he's on the verge of being, you know, one of the better receivers in this nation. Um, uh, and, and once again, Colby Parkinson making tough catches over the middle, fighting through traffic. So, uh, and our screen game, uh, once again, a lot of credit to the offensive line, the running backs you know, doing a great job on the screen game. So all those things work together. But as Shaw continues. If you can run the ball and get first downs, you decrease the number of times they have the ball. I mean, it's just as point blank as possible. And 
if we can't run the ball and they get a bunch of possessions, they're going to end up with a bunch of points. And um, for a while, we went point for point with them, got the ball to with the game to within three. Um, but then we couldn't get the stops, and then we couldn't keep up with that pace of scoring. So um, record-breaking game, um, some some unbelievable plays, and 12 explosive passes during the course of the game are outstanding. Um, but we got to get stops, and we have to be able to run the ball. Yeah, and again, that's why that kickoff return was pretty much the game. That was it. You know, Stanford closed it to a three-point game. Then, then maybe you do see the running game get back into the mix. Maybe. Maybe that balances things out a bit. But as it was, that kickoff return changed the entire course of the game. Deflated the balloon. Now, you do know the numbers from Davis Mills. 33 of 50, 504 yards. But here are some, you know, those are impressive numbers. Super impressive. Record-making numbers. But the telling numbers are these. Stanford running backs, uh, Cameron Scarlett, Austin Jones, Nathaniel Pete. Those three young men combined for seven carries and 11 yards. That's it. Seven carries, 11 yards for Stanford running backs. Cardinal finished the game by calling 27 straight passing plays. 27 straight. Cameron Scarlett's final carry of the game came on the first play of the second half. He didn't see the rock again on the ground after that. Stanford's last rushing play total came with 10.46 left in the third quarter. After that, it was all through the air for Stanford. 27 straight passing plays. Davis Mills' record-breaking passing numbers came at the expense of Stanford's running game. Stanford's prized running game, one that has become a critical, critical mark of its identity over this past decade. And David Shaw knew that it was going to be a tough task coming in facing the Washington State defense and how they like to shift and stem before the snap. He knew it was going to be tough on the ground against the Cougs anyway. We had a two-yard run. We had a four-yard run, and we talked about it all week. Runs against this defense are minus one, zero, plus three, two, seven, one, zero, 15. When you watch teams play against them, that's just kind of how it is. But when you're down 19 to zero, now that stuff goes out. We can't afford to go a little bit at a time. We have to get bigger chunks. Um, so that's why the game plan changed. But um, it, it was it was what they typically do. Um, they do it very, very well. They move, they slant, they have games and twists. Um, and we knew it was going to take a little while for our guys to get used to it. But um, when the score got to where it was, we couldn't we couldn't stick with it. Yeah, and he's right. When you're down 19 nothing, you can't necessarily stay with your running game long enough to try to pop that 15-yarder and hope for the best. No. They needed points pronto. And again, it worked. <laughs> it worked. Stanford got, got right back into that game off the right arm of Davis Mills, the one hand of Connor Weddington, and just terrific catches all the way around by, by Michael Wilson. Kobe Parkinson, Semi Fahoko, and others. In the meantime, 
the running game completely disappeared from view. Will it return this week against Cal? I don't know. Have you seen that Cal defense play? They're pretty good. They're pretty good. More on that in the next tree cast later on this week. But Stanford now falls to four and six on the season. Another tough loss. Margin for error for bowl eligibility gone. They got to keep the axe and they got to beat the Irish. Two tall tasks. All right, it's time for stock up, stock down. Our unofficial game balls and our our player or position units that you know might need a little emphasis and coaching and trying to get better uh, for the week ahead. Let's go stock up. And to me, this one was easy. Michael Wilson and Connor Weddington, man, they balled out against the Cougs. Wow. On both of those young men. Connor Weddington, eight catches for 119 yards and two out of sight, one-handed grabs. I mean, you put put those, you know, the 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 the, the reach back catch that he made to help Stanford get going in the first half. And and then another one with the Cardinal backed up inside their own five-yard line after having back-to-back delay of game penalties called against them. And then Mills just unleashed it down the left sideline. And, 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 and Weddington again, that ball stuck to him like glue. Amazing grabs from Connor Weddington. And Michael Wilson, five catches for 114 yards. I, I've really enjoyed watching him uh, grow and blossom as a wide receiver as, this, as the season's gone along. Has made some tough decisions. It's been a little tough for him in some respects in special teams and decision-making and fielding punts and things like that. But... Man, as a receiver, big-time fan of Michael Wilson. He, he had another terrific, terrific game. And I won't leave out Semi Fajoko completely. Semi had, had three catches for 92 yards. He also had another catch that he should have had. He had come down with inbounds. That would have been nice. But my stock up goes to Wilson and Weddington. Those two were magnificent. What goes up must come down. Time for stock down. And we just talked about it, the Stanford running game. I mean, when you are a team like Stanford that prides itself on its ability to run the ball, and as you heard David Shaw mention, to be able to to keep possession of the ball, especially against teams like Washington State where you do not want to try to get into a shootout with those guys. You want to try to limit their possessions as much as you possibly can. Stanford running game was nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. Running backs did very well on screens. But outside of that, that's it. That's it. And again, the running backs, seven carries, 11 yards. Stock down on the Stanford running game. Love to get your thoughts as always. Hashtag TreeCast on Twitter. Hashtag TreeCast. You got thoughts on Stanford football? I always enjoy checking them out give me the follow on twitter at troy clarity at troy clarity don't forget to subscribe rate and review the shows on apple podcasts and google play look time's running out we don't have too many more of these left and we might we might have fewer tree casts this year than we have the previous three 
with the possibility of there not being a bowl game on the horizon for the Cardinal. So do it now. Do it now. And on Friday's TreeCast, we will start to get you ready for the 122nd big game. Looking forward to that. Also, we'll have a neat little announcement to make, I believe, on the next TreeCast, which should come your way probably Friday. Probably Friday morning, I would imagine. I should note, by the way, uh, Pac-12 Network has picked up, a little side note, by the way, Pac-12 Network uh, has picked up the uh, NCAA Women's Soccer Tournament doubleheader on Friday. I will be on the call for both of those matches. So Arizona, Penn State at 4 p.m. But, of course, Stanford versus Hofstra at 7 p.m. Check that out. Both of those matches coming up on the Pac-12 Network this Friday. That should be fun. And then on Saturday, the big game. So a busy weekend ahead. Thanks, as always, for checking us out on the TreeCast. My evergreen reminder, don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. That's it. That's all, that's all there is to that. Don't do it. Don't do it. We'll talk to you Friday. Thanks for checking us out on this edition of the TreeCast with Troy Clare. <laughs>